Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Please stop. Do not do this before my set. Alex, can you tell him to chill the f out? This is f***ed up. I'm playing Tomorrowland. He needs to chill the f out. I'm sick of this. Shit. I'm playing in six minutes. So insecure. Stop! Are you really doing that before my set? Okay, then never speak. <laughs> long time coming you guys I haven't really talked about Paris Hilton but she came out with a documentary and who else to bring on to talk about this is like a early 2000s expert a PhD in pop culture Dara Lane of the do you remember this podcast hi Dara hi it is truly an honor to be here I just gave myself a victory pump because I'm like, don't call her Dara because you're <laughs> Dara. Like, please don't do it. Get it. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's it's so funny you say that because just as you were like a, every time some I'm like I'm gonna hear someone say my name for the first time, I'm always like hands clenched. Like, are they gonna do it? I hope I hope they do it. Not because I care, but because I hate correcting anyone because then it's it it ends up very uncomfortable right that's the beauty of being a woman right is like you hate to tell people (laughs) that (laughs) (laughs) I you know obviously you know a lot about Paris I think probably more than the average person so I think this was like a perfect perfect time to have you on the show first question is what did you think when you heard that she was going to be doing this documentary? Were you wary? Were you excited? Talk to Well, so the thing about Paris that makes her so interesting to me, but also um, annoys me so much, is that she is like, she of all of the early 2000s ladies offers the least insight into her life. So... When I first heard about the documentary, I was just like, well, I mean, I I can't imagine it's going to be anything that interesting, like anything that I don't already know. But then they teased it with the wilderness camp stuff. And I was like, 
okay, I'm very excited. And then the second it came out, it was like, press play. (laughs) I was seriously like, should I just watch it at midnight when it comes out? Like, no, please be a normal human being and get some sleep. You can watch it later. You can watch it as many times as you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I was was lucky being on the West Coast because it came out at 9. Right. So I, I, and I didn't realize that it was, it was going to come out like that. And I was just like a few, a few white claws deep. And I was like, I, I, I simply cannot wait. <laughs> I got to do it now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I've been having this conversation with people. What is your preferred white claw flavor flavor? Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I enjoy like the mango, um, but and I also enjoy a grapefruit. However, I've recently gotten into a white claw knockoff called Bon Vivant. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm really into the cranberry, actually. Yes. They do have a good cranberry. Okay. I'm liking where this is going already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Simpatico. Oh, <laughs> uh, so my first impression right out the gate was that are you like a Beverly Hills fan? Oh yeah. Yeah. My first impression was that she has inherited the hands like her aunt Kyle. Oh my God. You're right. (laughs) Demon claw hands that are like very veiny and bony and they really tell your age. But I will say as much as I don't really care for Paris, that bitch has great skin. Honestly, she she's almost 40 and she does really look the best like as far as just like least aged of that group of partiers like doing hard drugs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I loved the cast of characters, but I thought the there were basically no men in the documentary at all. Not yeah. Not brothers i found that interesting well it seems like her her father is always someone who is just not interested in Mm -hmm. that part of everything like we hardly ever see him and we'll see her mom pretty frequently on housewives and stuff but and her brothers are shit shows at least one of them is right Baron, right? Is he the, the troublemaker? He the one that got yeah yeah yeah. He was he was the one who got got into it with Lindsay, and then he also had um, some issue where he was like going to his girlfriend's house and like uh, screaming and going crazy. They had to call the cops. So he he's a he's a little messy boy. He really is. he really is. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so we get Kyle Richards, we get Kathy Hilton, we didn't get Kim Richards, which I also appreciate, we got Kris Jenner, we got Kim Kardashian West, none of the, I kind of would have wanted to hear from Nicole, I I know that their relationship is kind of like, eh, whatever, but I would have liked to know, but I also think that that era of her life was a glaring omission, and yes, she I, I found that very interesting. I wonder what the 
thought was behind that? Well, one thing that I found pretty interesting is when you watch any other well-made documentary, not saying that this wasn't well-made or I didn't enjoy it because I, I did, but like a real documentary that you might watch on HBO, when you go through the entire thing, there are certain talking heads interviews and they are carried throughout the story right the only people that they revisit in a meaningful way is nicole or nikki and her mom everyone else just gets like one little sound bite and i find that really weird i i do too this documentary like most documentaries will show the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I feel like we only saw the good and the bad and not, like, the ugly sides of Paris. Not mm-hmm. racism, not the homophobia, not the drug mm-hmm. use, not, you know, Paris carriage of it all. And, you know, the mention of the sex tape was really very sympathetic to her, which, yeah, you know, I mean, she does mention, like, if it had come out today, people would not have gone after me as hard as they did and they would have recognized that this is like a 30 something year old dude who released right. a 18 year old which is a fair comment to make yeah I mean the problem the thing that I predicted that she wouldn't really go there and I was surprised that she was giving us anything she still just like tiptoed up to the line of going there and then pulled back yeah. It was yeah. it it felt like the only way that this could have been the documentary that we really wanted was if she didn't have so much control over it. Like I think there's a reason why it was released on YouTube. Yeah. And not like Netflix or something. Like if she had given this over to a real documentarian and said, "Listen, uh, you know, I'm going to give you as much as I can." Um, as much as I feel comfortable with, but you will get the the last edit on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't come in and give you the final cut. Like, you get to say what you want to say. Yeah. Then I think it would be something completely different because even the things that she wouldn't admit to or discuss, it would still be saying something that she was like people at least being like, okay. Tell us about all those uh, slurs that you used to use uh, against all different types of people throughout the early 2000s. Like, if she chose not to comment on it, then that at least would be saying more than not broaching the topic at all. Yeah. Just completely pretending like it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, And yeah, they also didn't really... Yeah, I mean, that whole era of like... Yeah, she just really, like, towed the line, but then went right back to the story. And so, the really only parts that we get were kind of in the beginning, and it's really just like a, you know, like, here's your life, Paris, of, like, here's the paparazzi, here is, you know, you being on your first talk show, here's, you know, you going to the clubs, and there really was no real talk of that. It's being like overlaid with this, like, uh, I can't remember who that band is, but like indie music, which I think was a real weird choice. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> like trying to make like a Sofia Coppola movie or something like <laughs> right like where is Kirsten Dunst when you need her um <laughs> so the documentary itself starts back in October 2019 and she says she doesn't even recognize who she was when she began shooting this so this was like filmed over a six-month period And she says, like, the whole world thinks they know me because I've been playing this character for so long and that's not me and nobody really knows who I am and something happened in my childhood which nobody really knows about and I still have nightmares about it. Um, The other thing that I thought was they keep, keep, like, interspersing things that they don't have, like, documentary proof of, like, film proof of with, like, animations, cartoons of her nightmares and stuff. I, I was surprised to see to see that. Yeah, it was a choice. It was a choice, and I feel like so many documentaries are doing that now, and I hate it. Yeah, I think it's so silly looking. Um, it really takes you out. Of it. it does, especially this kind of documentary, because it's just like it, this is just not what that was. Right. What that was supposed to be, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, God bless. so we start off she's going to her grandfather's house and she shows pictures of like these collages that she made of her family over the years and she points out a picture of her like as a kid with her parents and nancy reagan and she's like you know my family's always been very conservative which is like another thing that we could talk about young lady yeah get over that um yeah, gosh. Remember when she said, like, she didn't vote, but if she did, she would have voted for Trump? Oh. Well, okay. So, and then there are also other thing, other publications where she said that she did vote and she did vote for Trump. But then um, just before we we started recording, I found out about some in-style interview with her from a few days ago. And she says, again, that she didn't vote last election, but this year she's going to vote and she's not going to vote for Trump. Okay. So, I mean, she's I think she's still lying because she did say in one publication she voted for Trump and then she walked it back. Yeah, very interesting. And I feel like there was one point where her social media clearly had been taken over by a homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I think she kind of leaned into like her gay fan base and was like oh I can't really be saying these things anymore and on top of that she also has such a huge international fan base mm-hmm. where like I- I'm sure they're even less understanding of like why she would support him like she has a lot of fans in Mexico and like all over the world it just doesn't serve her at all to support him. Yeah, especially. No, definitely not. I would say she's probably a bigger star elsewhere internationally than she is in America. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Like she, she lost her relevancy here, like before the early two thousands were over. And I think there are some countries where she never lost relevancy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we get these, like, childhood videos, and she's talking about how, like, she was always in front of a camera, and her dad was always filming her. Her dad nicknamed her Star. She was, like, the firstborn and kind of, like, the golden child and how hard it was to live up to the Hilton name. And 
we get Kyle Richards for the first time and video of her recording Paris with like like fucking gem style makeup yes. all over her face. <laughs> like Kyle says, you know, she would I would always do Paris's makeup when she would come over. And honestly, I do think there was probably like too much focus on how beautiful she was. And uh, the first thing that gave me chills was when we get eyes on Big Kathy. Oh, yes. Like, your grandmother. <laughs> like, I need, like, to be a wall, like, to be a fly on the wall in, like, 60s to 80s Big Kathy, her Big, home. I would Big pay. Big Kathy, for yes. Big Kathy is, a, in my estimation, was a terrifying individual. <laughs> I think she um, impressed some uh, long-standing generational trauma <laughs> that radiates through yeah. through the the women <laughs> in yeah. that family. For sure, like she saw Joan Crawford and Mommy Dearest and was like, "What's the problem? She seems like a lovely woman." You know, she's she just wants. To uh, get the best out of her children. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, um, so she, you know, Paris is like my mom and her sisters were always in, they were doing child modeling and they were in the movies and on TV and stuff. And she claims that her mother, Kathy, never wanted that for her. Do you believe that? Um, No. I think there's a lot of bullshit going on in terms of, like, protecting Kathy Mm -hmm. of, like, what she, like, that, and then also, um, oh, they were so strict. Right. (laughs) Stuff like that, which, I mean, we can wait until we get there, but, like, no, I, I don't believe that, because I think if she really didn't care about having a little star on her hands. They wouldn't have nicknamed her star and they wouldn't be dressing her up like John Benet Ramsey. Right. Exactly. Why are you guys talking about like, which actress are you? And why is big Kathy being like Paula Abdul, Lana Turner? She can beat out all of them. Like, Oh Lord. Big Kathy. I mean, the only thing that I can think of, that would make it true for little Kathy that she didn't want Paris to be a star is that there are no boundaries in that family and mm-hmm. they're so codependent that big Kathy who wanted all of her girls to be stars wanted Paris to be a star and little Kathy didn't know how to put up boundaries stand up for herself and how she wanted to parent and say, we're not doing that with this kid. Right. That's the only thing I can think of, but I also don't particularly believe her. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I could maybe give her is like, okay, I'm going to marry Hilton and I'm going to give my daughters access to all these like wealthy businessmen. So they don't have to do what I did and they can just live well. Yeah, exactly. Yes, totally. Um, so Kathy says that like, you know, Rick didn't really want to be on camera, but they kind of get into the history of the Hiltons about how 
he was one of eight kids and he was one of the later ones and the first five got millions, but the other three had to work and like, oh, we had to work so hard. And we see Kathy's um, fucking antique store that she called Staircase or whatever. <laughs> like, oh my God, that was so weird. <laughs> what is these ladies, that seems to be like the preferred job of the ladies who lunch of Beverly Hills because like Chris's Chris Jenner's mom had an antique store and I think she had like another store like this is one of those like bullshit stores like I don't understand I don't get I feel like is it is it possibly like um it's the kind of store where they can just like um go to old relatives houses and be like oh hey this this looks valuable I'm gonna put it in my store Right, exactly. And I guess maybe I get it. Like, you're kind of like, you know, the cocaine 80s of it all, where everybody was buying this, like, super lush, hideous furniture and mm-hmm. things made them into something. But anyway, um, so then we get our first eyes on Nikki. And she says, like, for the past 20 years, I've really chosen not to speak. I pause. What is your impression of Nikki what are your thoughts on her um so I've like I do about every single person that's ever been related to that family I have conflicting ideas I mean in in one respect like watching this I was like you know Nikki is the cooler one like she I always respect anyone who could be more famous than they are and just like simply choose not to be mm-hmm. so in that way like I trust her a little more and also the way she was talking a lot throughout the documentary I was like okay this is like a woman who's been to therapy um <laughs> and somewhat something that I don't think Paris is doing much of but at the same time she can't be that cool she's like married to a Rothschild, like, she's still very much living in a certain 1% lifestyle that, like, I'll just never trust that kind of person. Right. She was, like, giving me the Ivanka Trump of the Hilton family. Like, Yes. There's a kind of polish to her, and she definitely comes off as, not even comes off, she definitely appears to be, by all accounts, more mature than Paris. Oh, Yeah. Um, there's like an air of breeding to her, which I guess is how yes. she went child. Mm. She also gives me airs of like, she would have been a fucking nightmare in middle school. Like she would have been the girl who like, makes sure that you are looking at her and then like whispers to her friend about you and then they laugh. Yeah, like- I, I think both of them are, uh, both Paris and Nikki, I think are, at least back then were little nightmares and I think Paris now is someone that by all accounts of people like from the 2010s and on like if you meet Paris she's very nice and she doesn't have like an air about her and I don't think that was always the case with her I think now that like the people that she cares most about are her fans. She's kind to people she doesn't know. But yeah. I think Nikki was probably a bitch then, and she's like a bitch now. Yeah. Yeah. 
for sure. Like she would trip you at a benefit for sure. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so she says like without her presence on the documentary, it would have not been authentic because she's nobody's closer to Paris than she is. And she also says that Paris is addicted to drama and we see them like go to some kind of animal rights benefit and Paris is with the I forgot my sunglasses even though I'm going to be indoors and it's going to be dark and I need my phone and this and that and like they're in the car and Nikki's like really pissed off at her for being late and Paris immediately goes into that like trademark Paris Hilton voice like baby voice Mm -hmm. pouts at her and it's like oh sweetie that's a sister. <laughs> like, what, yeah. are we, what are we doing? Um, then they like kind of reinforce beginning and then throughout the documentary that like Paris is really more of a tomboy and she was really more of like she loved animals and she and her father bonded over animals and we get this clip of her from like the late 80s where she's trying to lure a penguin with like a strand of pearls it looked like. I <laughs> like okay, interesting. <laughs> then see her fly to South Korea because she's doing some appearance for like her skincare line. When she gets to the airport, she points out two of her fans who she calls little Hiltons that flew 30 hours to hang out with her at an event in South Korea. And she says she feels a lot less alone with her little Hiltons around. I'm cringing. I I mean, that was just so hard to hear that someone, two people in this world flew 30 hours. Right. To be with any celebrity. I mean, that's psychotic. It is. Because they probably spent about 20 to 25 minutes with her tops including the time that they were at the airport and uh, wow uh, <laughs> and to go to like south korea like where did they come from that's what i want to know like right how did how did how did you get here right because these people must be dedicating so much of their not only time but money oh because, yeah like seek help ladies all of you <laughs> everyone involved needs to seek help group therapy for everyone um we meet Shiraz who's like her media social media manager and he is like so proud of the fact that he as he puts it built an entire business on the back of Paris Hilton I, went to I the- cannot believe this man is her social media manager <laughs> gross like and that was another thing was like Paris how are you letting this man into your life it to me it was one of the most bizarre aspects of all because it's like there's no reason why a man in his mid to late 40s should be doing the job that a 25 year old girl or gay man should be doing like not to generalize but like it's just so odd. It's very creepy. And 
I just can't imagine like being a celebrity and having somebody be like, I've made probably millions of dollars off of like stalking you and exposing you to people. But what was weird weird too is that it wasn't just, there were moments where it was like, is he your social media manager or is he like your lady sitter? Right, right. Yeah, he's, he's like, part business, part, like, clout chaser, part assistant. The lines were really blurred. I went to his website, because his company is called Fame by Shiraz. Oh, my God. (laughs) He describes himself as an entrepreneur, social media expert, and internationally acclaimed real-time amplification and media strategist. What? Like, too. <laughs> Me too. You know, <laughs> I <just say> <laughs> um, he also teaches slash sells a like master class that is, if anybody's interested, is on sale for a limited time at two hundred ninety seven dollars, marked down from nine hundred and ninety seven dollars. <gasps> <laughs> Why it's a ninety seven is beyond me, but. I think there were like 10 classes or 10 lesson plans that are like breaking news. What is fame and why do you want it? How to close a deal? Like just, ugh, come on. Like people should be teaching you this, sir. I think I, it was weird. There, there was a vibe to him and now knowing that and I'm not surprised, but now knowing that he's, like, doing these classes and just, like, behavior and endeavors that I don't trust, he kind of has, like, a vibe of, like, um, like any one of those assistants, like, of Britney Spears or, like, these, like, weird older men yeah. who you're, like, why, why do you have the job that a 25 year old girl should have right like like what's yeah adnan uh galib galib like why are you you shouldn't be doing this and i know you're not to be trusted which most of these men prove not prove to be bad guys yeah yeah why are you is a great question also, she doesn't trust men, so, like, why is he the one? Right. It could, like, it doesn't make sense. It really, truly does not. Ugh. They're, they, like, go through this thing, and she's taking pictures of people, her fans, and at one point, she's just, like, going through these, like, influencer, Instagrammable things, like a photo booth. And, like, oh, go inside this thing. And then if somebody takes a picture, it looks like a magazine cover. When there was, like, thing full of, like, blue heart emoji blow-up thing. It was, like, a pool of these things. And Shiraz is like, okay, well, you have to wake up at 8 o'clock. Like, well, not wake up. You have to be ready by 8. And she just, like, sinks into that pool. And then she's talking to those two girls, those little Hiltons. And it one of the darkest things I've ever seen in my life about how she couldn't wake up, how she couldn't go to sleep. The, the, um, the moment where she says, um, it's 
too late to get up that early. Or like, no, it's too late. It's too late to go to sleep. And I'm like, my God, that's something I would have said, like when I was 21 years old, going to Las Vegas for the first time with friends, like, oh, it's too late to go to sleep. We'll just stay up all night to catch our flight. Right. But they were acting like it was like four o'clock and it was midnight. Like, okay, it was plenty of time to go to sleep. Plenty of time. It was very weird. Uh, we get Kim KKW, and I love that they listed her on the Chiron as friend and former assistant. Love that. <laughs> very shady. Love it. So shady. Because I, oh, I bet you anything, she's so mad that Kim has taken over in America. Oh, I bet oh she's yeah. Livid. And that's like to talk about what you were saying about her, like now being nice, I think is probably because of Kim, because Kim has gotten through this industry for the most part. Nobody can really say a bad thing about Kim. Nobody can really be like, oh, she was a bitch unless I'm reading different things and other people are reading. But I've heard for the most part, like she's lovely to everybody. And I think that's what I've heard, too. Yeah, I haven't heard any sort of. Yeah. And I. I don't know. At a certain point, too, with Paris, it's like, you can't be mean to people. Like, you don't have the standing in Hollywood anymore to be rude. No. I wish Lindsay would learn that. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Let's not go down that dirt road. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Kim says she learned everything... Somebody clearly asked her, like, what did the Paris tell you anything about how to navigate Hollywood? And she's like, honestly, everything I learned was just by watching her. Like, she didn't give me any advice. And we get, like, flashbacks of her, like, in the early 2000s and her, like, early 20s of her saying, you know, at the beginning, all the attention felt like love. And then at some point, she decided to take control of her image and... It feels like she kind of created the monster of being like influencer culture today, which fair. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't really know that like her becoming more of a businesswoman was like a conscious thing or just like. Okay, oh. it definitely wasn't. And like when she says, um, I just wanted to like pull away from the reality show thing and like focus on my businesses, that's bullshit. She did two other reality shows and they were both huge failures because she didn't expose a single part of her life. Right. And obviously I think she was very jealous of Nicole being the breakout star of uh, the simple life. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she just couldn't replicate that sort of fame. And like, what, what, who was on the third season of the simple life or the last season? Oh, um, it was was it like Courtney? No. Uh, oh, no. she was going to have um, what's her face? Rod Stewart's daughter, Kimberly yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Oh wow, those are the days. Those are the days. But the problem, the thing is, is like she was never going to be a good reality star outside of out of outside of Nicole because. When you watch it back, Nicole's the only one doing anything. Like, and Paris is a great sidekick to her. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's successful because 
Nicole is driving everything and Paris is her little like peanut gallery and that works. But then when she like she did she did uh I wanna be Paris's BFF, new BFF or something. Right. On MTV. Yes. And then the next thing she did was more of like a docu-series thing but she didn't expose any drama and she made her friend who was uh charlie sheen's wife who was like in the throes of a drug addiction Uh, made her expose all of that of herself wow Mm. i'm gonna have to go back and watch that (laughs) yeah it's it's wild i mean she does show like a little bit with um her boyfriend i think it was cy waits and he was an asshole, and he was abusive, but, like, she still wasn't really exposing anything, and it still wasn't that interesting. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. By learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So from there, it kind of like begins the narrative of her, of Paris being like Paris Hilton, the character and how she doesn't know who she is sometimes. And like, she can't sleep because she has insomnia and she has these recurring nightmares where she's in bed and somebody tries to take her. And, you know, we hear more about that, them asking if she wants to do this the easy way or the hard way. And then we get her at like, I guess, Nikki's house. And they're, like, kind of playing with her kids and her daughter, rather. And Nikki's, like, talking to her about having children and getting married. And this is kind of the one one of the things that I really wanted to know about is, like, let's explain the string of younger 
dudes who don't seem to have anything going for them except for like a modeling career that only gets more popular because of their association with you. Let's get into that. Like, what is that all about? And she says like she has issues with control Mm -hmm. and she describes the guys that follow her around as like bitch boys. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, she like Nikki was like, why don't you meet a guy who's like more on your level? She's like, no, I, I could not do that. And doesn't seem like she really wants kids. And mm, what did you think about that? So I think what Nikki says, um, I think if you wanted kids and you wanted to get married, you would be. Um, You'd find a way. And I think that is 100% true. Mm -hmm. I I think it's twofold. I think one, um, she picks men that she would never want to be with or that would never be in the right place to be a good partner that would want to get married because she doesn't really want to. Right. And I think like, I think she's so stunted Mm -hmm. and I think she knows that. And I think she says that she wants to get married and wants to have children because that is what was expected of her her whole life because she was like molded into this girly girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she has to keep saying that this is what she wants because she's so like, she's so in the mold of like a heteronormative, uh, woman that she has to put, put that forth, but she doesn't really feel ready for it or want it. And I also kind of feel like, I don't know. I feel like I, (laughs) I feel like there's a queer sensibility to her mm-hmm. that I think she is um, hiding and holding back. And I think part of like the character part of her is her not at all maybe reckoning with a different side of herself. Because like yeah. after they say like, oh, like she actually like wasn't into not that to be queer, you have to like be against traditional gender roles but like she was the tomboy she was she wasn't into clothes and blah 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 and then there are all these different um reports of like women that she was in low-key relationships with yeah like throughout her teen years and early 20s like to me I just feel like she is hiding the real person that Mm -hmm. she is and she doesn't even know who that person is anymore yeah. And so she says, I, I want kids and I want a husband. And it's like, like Nikki said, if you wanted it, I know you would have it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been a common thread of her having relationships with, like, Lindsay Lohan and, like, Courtney Semmel mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of girls. There were a lot of women, <laughs> frankly. Um, there, yeah. Uh, there were... There were there were too many to have it be like oh well she just like you know kissed a girl like once and she was just trying to like make guys horny in the middle of lay do it's like no this was like a pattern yeah yeah <sighs> yeah that's a that's a uh, yeah that's a point <laughs> good point <laughs> um 
so then we get into the sex tape briefly, I would say, all things considered. And yeah. says it felt like being electronically raped and how really nobody believed that she genuinely didn't want it out in the public because after that, it became a sort of trend of like a sex tape being a blueprint to fame. More shade at Kim. Subtle, yeah. very shade there. Very subtle. Um, then we meet her boyfriend at the time, Alex. Some dude she met at a music festival. Aye. And she doesn't want to go public with him yet, but he's in town. She has to go to an event. So she puts up a spy cam in her bedroom and hides it amongst, like, the stuffed animals that are on her mantle. With this, like, bright blue shining thing as if he wouldn't notice it, which I thought was very (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Like, get the one with the little light pairs and then put tape over it. Like, come on, girl. You gotta do better. (laughs) Meanwhile, her mom is like, Paris is actually incredibly, incredibly brilliant. I'm like, well, um... (laughs) Right. Um... Gosh, okay, so we get Kathy back, so they go to the event. It's, I guess, for, like, a perfume or something. Kathy's there, Chris is there, and Kathy really, like, immediately shirks all responsibility for why Paris is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Kind of tips toes into it and is like, oh, you know, like, I feel like she dresses herself up in all these sequins, and she describes Paris as a little Disney child. Um, despite the fact that, like, she's one of the most intelligent people you ever meet, and I think that the mask sometimes she puts up is, like, the stupid persona or the voice. She's like, I just want to know where it stems from. I'm like, bitch, look <laughs> here. Like, are you crazy? What? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you I, mean? I hate Kathy. I think she's such a, like, little monster. Ugh. I, I think she's miserable. Gotta be. Well, just the way, like, what I've seen of how she is on Beverly Hills. Like, I'm not, like, a huge Kyle fan or anything. But Mm -hmm. I I just feel like Kyle at least wants to have some authenticity and, like, in her life of what their childhoods were like. And Kathy is just someone who just wants to pretend everything's great and doesn't want anyone to expose the family in any way or expose their mother, even though she's dead. Like, who cares? Right. Like, she's just so controlling. I think she is exactly like her her mother was. Oh, for sure. And, like, she's so awful that it's clear that she doesn't know, even Paris, they don't understand how, like, deep that well runs with how terrible mm-hmm. Kathy is. Like, they don't get it at all. And that was probably the most interesting thing is, like, Kathy really thinks that she's coming off well. And, like, she was just so unaware. And, like, we were just doing the best we could for our daughter and trying to protect her. And, like, the argument can be made that, like, okay, yeah, a lot of people, parents put their children in this and thought that these, like, camps were a good thing but I also feel like 
even though Paris says, like, I never really talked to my parents about this, I think they had to have known way more. And I think maybe the reason why Paris doesn't talk to her parents about that is because she knows how that conversation's going to go. And it's just not worth it. Absolutely. And, I mean, some other stuff that I've read, um, like, the reason why they... I, they, they, like, make all this out to be, like, well, the mom and dad were so strict that she just rebelled. And it's, like, mm-hmm. no. That's not what was, like, oh, this just, like, sprouted out of nowhere. And they were being too good of parents. They were being too, um, putting up too many boundaries. And she just, you know, how could we have known that she would rebel like that? When realistically like some stuff that i've read is that when they were living at the waldorf the girls had no supervision they might have been strict when they got into trouble and like punished them but like they ran amok around that hotel yeah and they ultimately shipped her off because and this is this is just a rumor like who knows but it kind of makes a little sense to me she was like 14 and she went off with some like trucker or something and she was like there's all of these like things floating around of like just promiscuous risky behavior mm-hmm. that to me if your 14 year old is doing that that is not like oh gosh, we're too strict. Let's send her off. Yeah. It's it's like something's up here and instead of dealing with it, we're... And like Paris says, she said uh, they just wanted to like hide me away mm-hmm. because I was embarrassing them. Do so... Have... You can go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Do we know why she moved... Why they moved to New York? Gosh, I... I do know, but I forget off the top of my head. I think it was, I think it was something to do with the business. Okay. Interesting. That's what I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. So they talk about like her time in New York is like, Paris was like one girl in Beverly Hills or wherever they lived. And then as soon as they landed in Manhattan, it was like, what happened? She was like, and they're even like showing film of her from back there. She's where she's like sullen and she gets a Chanel purse for her Christmas and just like slams it on the ground. <laughs> and <laughs> it, like, she just be like, we don't know what happened. I, what? I, I don't know. And uh, Paris talks about how like when they got to Manhattan, they were taught to be debutantes and to be these like perfect Stepford wife type girls. And like you said, her parents are really strict. And Nikki was saying like, you know, our friends didn't have curfews and we did. And like they could wear certain things and we couldn't. And it was just like, I wanted to hear a lot more about that. Even though I don't think it's true. Like just open up the world more on that. Well, and I think the problem is, is that they can't open up the world more without really exposing another, another level. Because there's one thing that, um, 
Nikki or Nicole Richie has said about Paris, like the Paris years when they were little girls before she goes off to New York, she was talking about how, um, and she, she talks about it a little bit in interviews, but then she also has her book, the truth about diamonds, which is like, uh, memoir but it's masked as a novel right but like you read some of the stories and you're like no those are real so like and she has a Paris character but she talks about her as this hypersexualized bad influence where like something bad was clearly going on mm-hmm. and one of the things that happens is they're like in Las Vegas with I think Paris's dad maybe and they're like 12 years old and they go like buy these like very adult outfits put on a ton of makeup and start like walking up and down the strip meeting men and then they they end up getting caught and uh you know they they have to go back home but it was like it was all Paris's idea. Like, oh, let's go out, pretend to be sixteen, and they're like twelve years old, taking a. Oh, actually, no, they were like in. I think they were in L.A. and they like got the like a limo driver, employed by Paris's parents to like take them to Las Vegas or something insane like that. Like uh, she was acting out from the beginning, right. It wasn't like she went to New York and then, like, oh, at at 14 started clubbing. No, she was, like, wild. I think that's part of the reason why they went to New York, too, to get her out of L.A. Right. That's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> a real choice. Um, because as a New Yorker, like... I see how these kids are out here, and I can't even imagine what that was like 20 years ago. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. Before, like, cell phones, really? Ugh, forget about it. Um, so, Kathy admits that she locked Paris in a room at one point because Paris had been going out to the clubs, basically was like, like a raver club kid type thing and Kathy was just afraid of predators and kidnappers and okay yeah sure (laughs) sure sure Um, (laughs) uh, so Paris then says she felt like she was sent away to those camps to be hidden from embarrassing her parents. And Nikki would say like, Paris would get these headlines and like page six or whatever. And they obviously lived in a hotel. So everybody would get these newspapers. And if anything came out that Nikki would wake up early in the morning and flip the newspapers over if Paris was on the cover. So her parents couldn't see it. And I I want to know like more about like, Nikki's relationship to her parents because later on she talks about how she used to always tell on Paris. <laughs> like, damn, you really sound like a bitch. <laughs> like, to be honest, like, granted, she's a child, but it's like, what was what was happening there? What, I think, I think that 
she was like the forgotten child. I think everyone was like, Paris is so... Well, because notice also how she says, like, I was the one that was interested in fashion, not Paris. And then, like, Paris became this fashion girl when it was really, like, Nikki who took it seriously. And, like, she started her own line and stuff. But... And then, like, when her mom says, like, oh, she's actually so brilliant. I, I said, I wonder... I wonder how uh, Nikki... Uh, appreciates that comment like that Paris is the brilliant one yeah like this little dummy yeah Yeah, I think I think that's what it is and I don't think she was still a very pretty little girl but I don't think anyone was calling her Lana Turner and (laughs) yeah I would be willing to bet money that was not the case at all oh gosh so then what happens after that? They, oh my gosh, I lost my place. Sorry, y'all. Okay. So then the first time she goes to these like, quote, emotional growth schools. She ran away several times. The first time she ran away with another student, they found her, they ran through cornfields and all this shit. And they found her some of the staff and beat the shit out of her and the girl that she ran away with in front of all the other students to make an example out of them. She ran away another time. She jumped down a flight of stairs to get away and they had to shut down the highways and the airports to find her. And she said she like begged and begged her parents to let her go back to New York and they wouldn't listen to her. And that's when she lost trust. And that's when when you guys have this conversation, Paris and Kathy later, and Kathy's pretending that she doesn't know, it's like, okay, well, what was Paris telling you that she completely lost trust in you about? Right. Both ways. Yeah, because she's, the woman's full of shit. Full of it. The woman is full of shit. <laughs> um, did I see that you did some research about these schools? So... Basically, when I I did like um, when I first started my podcast, I did a few Paris episodes, and I was just um, tracking like every boyfriend she had ever had, and I went through um, her high school years, and I was like, that's so weird. Like she doesn't. She went to like six different high schools, and then I realized um, that a few of them were were these like wilderness schools and I went um, on YouTube and there was like all of these videos of women saying how they were physically, sexually, emotionally abused. So I knew that she went, but they all, she also, before they sent her there, they had sent her to big Kathy's house in Palm Springs to try and get her to, to beat the bad girl out of her, but it didn't work. Hmm. Interesting. She ended up she ended up losing her virginity to um Aaron Spelling's kid. <laughs> While she was there. So they they made her they kicked her out of there too and made her go to the the, the emotional schools. Well, that part I agree with. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys. Um, <laughs> so 
Um, then they get into her love of DJing. And she goes to Belgium for Tomorrowland. This sort of music, like that electronic music that she does, is like not my vibe at all. No, 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 no. The idea of like going to a festival like that, just like you could not pay me to do it. But it seems to be a very big deal for her. She is really invested in like making a name for herself because there was one time in 2012 where somebody took one picture of a guy trying to adjust the volume as she was doing a set. And then everybody thought that like she was just a fake and she's trying to make it as a woman in a male dominated industry of DJing. She takes her boyfriend to Belgium and everything seems to be going fine. She's super excited until she does all these press things going on different radio shows at the festival. We come back and Alex is wasted probably on several things and she's about to go on her set he's like getting into her about how she shouldn't be talking to one person one other woman and how she shouldn't be trying to help this other girl and he should she should be trying to help him like what is your job sir what is your job i i kind of feel like um and I don't know if this takes away a little magic for people, but I kind of got the feeling that this guy was a little bit cast. Mm, interesting. Not necessarily like they put out a casting call, but I could see a world where like they were gearing up to film this. She met this guy and was like, you know, he's a fucking asshole. Let's all, um, I'll let him ride around for for a few uh, for a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, because it be just felt because... too crazy. Yeah, too crazy, too fast, and for like a almost forty year old woman, this felt like, oh, girl, like you should not be still in these relationships. <laughs> like even if he's twenty, whatever, like. And I get, I guess she had, you know, she has been like in these insane relationships, but like the last guy she was with, Chris Zilka, like at least when they got together, he was starring on a really cool, like prestigious HBO show with Justin Thoreau. Like he was still like something. And like this guy was just some nobody. They, they get into this huge fight that makes for like, a great couple scenes and she's like take off his bracelets cut his bracelets and she's like I've never said that to someone before and I'm like okay so like (laughs) you know what a big deal it is take somebody's artist bracelets I I loved that (laughs) yeah this scene was definitely the most maybe not compelling but definitely salacious and like I was like yeah because they juxtapose like her walking to the stage and like he first he drops her computer and she's like fucking pissed and then he's like just being a dick and they're walking and he's like yelling right in her ear and she's like stop why are you doing this to me right now like i can't believe you're like please you're a fucking psycho and and 
she gets on stage and we get her like where she like actually gets mad and she gets that deep voice. She's like, oh yeah, <laughs> stamp at her feet and like, don't you do this? I can't believe you're doing this right now. And uh, it was beautiful. It was <laughs> the petty side of me. Yeah, this was like a truly beautiful moment. I really enjoyed it. I I think like this was a totally real guy, and she just was like. I think she had known him very for a very small period of time, and she was like, yeah. "This guy's a fucking lunatic. Let's yeah. uh, let's do a few scenes. Let's let's do this." Give him and then and, and then tape. like, yeah, roll tape, baby. <laughs> uh, I love seeing them like shuttle him into that van to go back from whence he came. Yes. Do after that. Did he have to get his own get home? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, but I'll, I'll bet not. I'll bet. I'll bet they were. They were like, "Okay, thanks. Uh, here's your ticket home. Right. Don't contact her again." Right. Exactly. Ugh. At one point, he almost grabbed her neck, and that was pretty dark. Yeah. That I mean, terrible. she has been in abusive relationships before. Yeah. Several. <sighs> so she gets back to LA and we see this mountain of MacBooks that is from every relationship that she's been in since the creation of the MacBook, I guess. She says that after every relationship, she has to get a new one because her boyfriends demand to know the passwords and stuff. And I guess she just can't change the password. She just has to get a Yeah, one. what what the fuck? She can't take it to the genius bar and be like, hey, like, how do I, how do I change this password? Right. That was like easy 50 grand worth of computers. That like, but she's brilliant. She's so much more brilliant than you would ever imagine. <laughs> Kathy. Right. Oh my gosh. Wild. What choices? Real, a lot of choices are <laughs> being made. Uh, we get back to Kathy, and she's like, well, Paris did tell me about having her nightmares, but, oh, uh, this, oh, I just wanted to, uh, I could not believe she said this, but I take everything with a grain of salt, because I did the best I could. Like, I listen to my daughter, but I choose not to believe it, because. I hate her. <laughs> I could not. What kind of mother monster are you? Who says that? I think that there is no ounce of maternal instincts or compassion in that woman. No. I really don't. I mean, even, can you imagine Kyle? Like, if her daughters came to her uh, with any sort of trauma or whatever, and she looks at them and says, well, I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I mean, like, if Kathy went up in a Mother of the Year award against, like, Casey Anthony, I would <laughs> have to question which one I would pick. I mean, my God. I, I mean, I guess she kept them alive. That's one thing. But, ooh, but by yeah. the skin of her teeth. I mean, Jesus. I, also, she probably wasn't really keeping them alive. It was, like, nannies doing most of the legwork. For sure. For sure. While she's out, like, railing coke and... Oh, you know, yeah. 
getting fingered by OJ or something. You know, like, who knows what they were doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Then we get Kathy, like, trying to get that award for, like, a daytime Emmy because the producer's like, well, did you know about the solitary confinement? And she's like, in Utah? <laughs> I never knew about that. Was stone-faced, no reaction to that whatsoever. The idea of her teenage daughter being in solitary confinement. Nothing. Nothing. Whatsoever. I... I <laughs> what the hell? What also, the hell? like... She's just so full of shit because then when we get to Nikki describing how, like, they took her in the middle of the night and essentially kidnapped her and, like, the bloody murder screams that she heard from the next room and then she wakes up the next morning and her sister's gone and they're just like, well, um, here's some cream of wheat. Uh, what's up? And, like, don't even address it. That's, that's psychotic. Beyond, like, I could not believe it. I, I couldn't believe. So, Nikki comes over to Paris's place, I assume. It's her apartment in New York. And there, Nikki's like, Well, our parents are the king and queen of sweeping things under the rug. And, like, she only kind of knew about Paris going away. She's like, I knew that there was a takedown happening because <laughs> I would listen to their phone calls. But I didn't really know what exactly was going to happen until I heard the blood-curdling screams of my sister being taken away and Paris saying, like, the last thing I saw, it was like, I was screaming. She had no idea what was going on. And the last last she saw of her parents were other than, like, standing at the other end of the hallway with tears in their eyes. Like, ugh. I, I mean, that is trauma. Like, even if they were just... um throwing Paris into a van after that for um, a surprise birthday party. Even if that was, like, the end point, that would still be incredibly traumatic for her and for her siblings. Yeah. And then, like, to make your child and your other siblings think that someone in the house is getting kidnapped, essentially? Right. Like, what did those people at the facilities tell them? Like, how did they convince them that that would be a smart and sound thing to do? A rational <laughs> action to I, I don't think that there was much convincing involved. I think, I, I think it was just one of those things where you're talking to these parents and you're like, yeah, they just really need discipline. That's what they need. And, you know, it's going to be tough. And we're going to go in there and we're going to take her and she's going to scream. But just know that you're doing the right thing and this is what she needs. And I think they're like, okay, sounds good to me. Yeah. Sounds good to me, boss. <laughs> Salute to you, man. <laughs> fake, like camo. Oh, my gosh. I then Nikki said something really fucked up. And first they asked, like, her friend, Paris's friend is there. And she's like, did you not have any fear that your parents would take you to? And she's like, no, because Paris was very naughty. And I just told on her all the time. So, (laughs) and then Nikki asked Paris if she ever apologized to her parents. And she was like, no. (laughs) Like, she's like, well, you really put them through hell. She's like, I went through hell. 
And Nikki's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think Nikki's a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you, see, you see what I mean? She's, she's a true nightmare. <laughs> she's a little nightmare. And like, uh, God, Paris is so problematic. But I do, I think we've only scratched the surface of what she has been through trauma wise and I I feel like because the other thing I thought throughout the whole thing is how much she actually kind of reminds me of Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. just like an absolutely stunted quality that's not even like oh she can be immature but like no like she needs people reminding her don't lose this purse because this purse has all your money in it like that's not immature that is like a child who was stunted at a very young age yeah oh my gosh i forgot to mention that time where she was about to get out the van in korea and she just dumps like three thousand dollars worth of hundred dollar bills on (laughs) in the van like what (gasps) oh my god yes i loved that moment (laughs) like let that be me, bitch. Please, Lord, let that be me one day. Just piles of money. Just... That you can't even keep track of. It's pouring out of your purse. Like, can you get, like, an envelope? A wallet? A money clip? I... Something. <laughs> Deposit it. You don't need it. Do you need that much cash on you? Not a chance. Hit Not up a... the Bank of America and put a deposit in. They could take your card just fine. They're going to know that you're Paris Hilton. You're not going to have a problem. It's going to be fine, girl. Oh, my God. Call your manager. Please. Call your social media manager and have him take a <laughs> run to the bank. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So the last school that she went to was Provo Canyon, which is probably the most controversial. She says it was by far the worst. That they would have to sit and stare at a wall. They would get hit a lot. She said she felt like the staff got off on seeing them naked. Mm -hmm, She she never says that she was sexually abused, but... mm, I mean, come on. And it's also like... like, And she's also, I feel like, such a prime target if it's happening all around her. Yeah. Like she stands out so much. She's this like beautiful, um, pretty little rich girl who's not even just rich. She's like, she's recognizably Hilton heiress rich. Mm-hmm. Someone who I think uh, people like this who get into this line of work are there to take kids down a peg. And I feel like she is someone that they would be targeting yeah it's hard for me to believe that she would have been the one or one of the few that would have escaped abuse yeah i Uh, i don't she was spared yeah she then said that they would just prescribe drugs she has no idea what they are she found a way to not take them but then somebody told on her they found the 
napkin or tissue paper full of her pills that she didn't take. So they stripped her down naked and put her in solitary confinement for 20 hours with no food, no clothes. There was a girl in a straight jacket next door to her who was just like screaming. And the only thing that saved her was dreaming about being like what her life would be when she got out and dreaming of being so successful that her parents could never control her again. Did you hear that, Kathy? Oh. Did you hear that, bitch? <laughs> she oh, makes me so mad. The more I watched her and that, like, stone Botox fillered up face of yes. her big-ass teeth that Kyle and Cam, and Cam have now gotten from that. Yes. Time, I just, oh, oh, killed me. It just feels like they're... Like, we've seen so much of her other two sisters, and there's something about Kathy that just feels like there is a missing little heartstring in there. Like, there is a coldness uh-huh. and an evil that her other sisters don't have. But there's also, like, the, I mean, she is, like, the older sister, but yeah. even, like, in the early seasons of Beverly Hills, Kim would sort of, like, weaponize her relationship to Kathy mm-hmm. in a way that, like, she knew that if she said anything about how Kathy was the better sister, it would just set Kyle off and just, in like, just really trigger her. And I, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, way more of Big Kathy and Little Kathy than I think the other two. And I Kim think, is like a bad girl too, though. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Kim's like the Paris. And yeah, Kyle's for sure. Um, it is funny though. Speaking of Nikki telling on Paris, the um, the revelation this season on Beverly Hills when um, Kyle says how Kim caught her having sex yeah, the, the first, first time, then told on her. Yeah. And, and then also, them. like, ripped the blankets off of them. Right. Like, that is so fucked up. If I saw my sister do anything like that, I would run so fast. <laughs> I, I, I yes. Again. Like, never. <laughs> like, Kyle saying that she, once Kim opened the door, her eyes were like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I got you. What? I mean. That is, <laughs> what what is going on in that family? Yeah. What is happening in Big Kathy's house? Big Kathy's house. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, once Paris talks about being in solitary confinement, she immediately was like, okay, and then I was free, and then I met David LaChapelle, and then hopped the fence to my granddad's house, and then I gave the finger, and I got this article, and everything was great. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I, it really just brushes past everything. Really? Like... She, I mean, she did say, like, I never really talked about it with my parents, and I kind of took that anger and channeled that anger into being a successful girl, woman. Okay. And I'm walking the runway at Heatherette, and everything's just fine. 
I'm a success now. Oh, hey. Is that what happened? It's really, and it's not what happened. It's, uh, there's, uh, wow, she just really, like, there's such a missing link that, that is completely dropped. And I don't even think of Paris as a model. Like, that wouldn't be the first three things that came up in my mind as to what she does. No, I mean, she, like, walked some runway shows in the way that, like, any it girl might do a few runway shows. Like, no one looks at Kim Kardashian as a model, but she was kind of doing the same thing. Like, she'd walk in a show or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Paris. I suppose that she, I mean, I guess Paris did do a little more modeling, and she is taller, and she is more, like, the body type of a runway model, but... Sure, but she's not a model. She's not, like, a model model. She was not, like, going on go-sees from, like, Tyra Banks, like, sending her off. No, definitely not. She's not, like, this was, oh, Fashion Weeks next week, like, oh, okay, um, I'm friends with Marc Jacobs, so I guess I'll probably be walking that. Yes, exactly. Um... So then we have her meeting up with her former classmates. Notably, there was a woman named Catherine McNamara who seems to be kind of like spearheading this whole like we came from these like boarding schools, boot camp schools. And like we want to, you know, like shed light on what is actually happening and like be an advocate for the survivors of these schools um Catherine brings up a great point of like because we came from so much abuse that like the lines really get blurred between what abuse is and what love is and we don't see it coming until it's too late in the way that like somebody else who didn't have to endure that kind of stuff would and we Paris says that she's been in about five physically abusive relationships. And then we get all these pictures of her. She's like scrolling through of like her and Nikki after a fight she had with clearly Nick Carter. Mm-hmm. And ugh, ugh, it made me very sad for her. I mean, I remember thinking those pictures at the time and I think she mentioned it like everybody was like oh that's her fault like who gives a fuck she's just a slut like oh yeah definitely that's I mean people were awful about that stuff really like it's shocking to me I don't remember like having I don't have any memory of like like I definitely remember those pictures but I don't remember any sort of narrative around it but it wasn't you know it was also I think because it was Nick Carter um People really wanted to bury it. And I think even I was reading something recently, like a Twitter thread or something about how apparently to this day, uh, Nick Carter stands will like totally um, still like die on the hill of she was lying uh, mm-hmm. like this, like she took these pictures. It was it was bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. People still want to protect him. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, because Aaron is kind of a, you know, 
an eccentric man on his own. <laughs> Remember I last mean... summer when he was like outing Nick for like abusing an elderly woman? Oh and yeah. And then he like brought up all that Paris stuff and then he posted a picture from or a video from House of Carters was that the name of their show? Yes. Where he and Nick get into a fight and Nick like grabs him and takes him behind a door and like before he closes the door you can see Nick's face just go like dark and you don't really hear much but like clearly he was doing something to Aaron behind that door and like his voice just got so gruff and it was like how the hell did people not say anything about that at the time how is that possible are I mean, like, abuse even like 10 15 20 years ago was so different it's shocking it really is i mean <laughs> i it, it's why i i mean it's changed a little bit but even even so it's like the the way that we knew full well about mel gibson like mm-hmm. we had uh voicemails that we could listen to of him like saying the most vile vile things yeah. to his uh pregnant partner mm-hmm. and he is still you know allowed to be in uh children's movies yeah up until like this year did he finally get some sort of accountability and had to, he was fired from some kid's movie. But, like, up until then, it was like, oh, this is fine. Right. Shocking. Shocking. That clip of, from House of Carter still, like, haunts me. Like, I, I just could not believe what I was watching. And uh, Nick is a terrible human being. He is. He is. Him and Kathy can go... <laughs> walk straight to the ocean as far as I'm concerned walk right off <laughs> so um okay so then Paris is like she also made a point to kind of like outwardly project what she thinks that the public wants by like looking pretty and seeming very happy and like she's got this like perfect beautiful white woman life wealthy girl life and they ask her if she feels any re- sort of responsibility for the way girls view themselves on social media. And she's like, yeah, because I see 10 year old girls like trying to figure out the perfect angle for a selfie. And I know that like, that kind of stems from me. And I wonder what it's like to feel the weight of culture, of you creating an entire culture and being able to see it as you're still alive and being like, wow, that's really fucked up what I did. You know, and that's such a great question, and I feel like part of her uh, psychology is that she tries her absolute very best to never um, let it sink in. Mm -hmm. I think it crosses her mind, and then that's why she is traveling more than half of the year. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Like, no real friends around her to hold her accountable. Just, like, running away from who she is, what she's done. 
she, I don't think she ever thinks that hard about it. Mm, how could because you? Because it's, it's too painful. I, I don't blame her. I, it would be very difficult. Very. Because, I mean, there's really nothing she can do about it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's over, baby. <laughs> so... Um, she has other survivors come over to do a campaign about breaking the silence of these schools and the abuse that they endured. And all these girls gather around and they were like, yeah, we knew the simple life was bullshit because you were acting like you didn't know how to clean. And I know <laughs> you clean because we had to do it. <laughs> like, I know you can mop, bitch. Don't do that. So um, at one point all these women, they, they like are making poster boards, talking about what school they went to, what they endured, taking pictures of them holding the poster boards, but also doing like video of what happened to them. And at one point we see Paris who is in like a blue hoodie. Like she's acting like she's just at home on like a Saturday afternoon. That's the way she's dressed. <laughs> and she, like, like not expecting guests over, you know, just cleaning on a Saturday. And she goes into the closet. And this was kind of her, like, daytime Emmy moment of her being, like, I'm really overwhelmed. Because being around these people now has reminded me of who I was. And now I'm, like, getting angry at the person that I can't be anymore. And she... It's like I created this whole fantasy world as an escape. And she's like pointing at all her shoes and all her clothes. She's like, I don't give a shit about any of this. I would just like much rather just be in a t-shirt and pants and like a juicy couture tracksuit. She's like, I haven't even worn half of this shit. Like, I don't care. And she like picks up a like a hot pink booty at one point. A size like 13, I'm sure. And oh yeah. <laughs> seeing Nikki like in her interviews in like flats, knowing that her feet are like a ski, basically. I don't know if she does it. Uh, well, well the when the bling ring kids uh stole from Paris, they're like her shoes were size eleven. We just like we took like a pair for fun, but like none of us could wear them. <laughs> Couldn't do a thing with them. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Kathy continues her reign of terror as Paris meets up with her. She shows her her phone and is like, oh yeah, I did this campaign and Kathy's like gingerly putting on her glasses and scrolling through the pictures and Paris is like, you know, I was she's like looking at her poster board and she's like, oh Verbal and physical abuse. Um, okay. Um, emotional manipulation. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Ferris huh. <laughs> is like, yeah, I was like, you know, I was strangled and I was locked into rooms and I was abused basically every day. And I just felt like I couldn't tell you guys because I would be punished or they would threaten me with like, saying that they wouldn't believe you and Kathy puts her head down and hides her and not a fucking tear comes out of her eyes not a one 
Couldn't squeeze one out for us, huh, Kathy? Couldn't even dream of it. Not even a misty eye. I nope. Nothing. Nothing. And then Kathy says the most fucked up thing of all. So manipulative. Like, you know, if I had known, me and your dad would have pulled you out there in a second. And it's like, <laughs> thanks, mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> great. If only I had done this, maybe I wouldn't have been abused. Like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, I could not believe she's... Why would you say that? She, like, no accountability. Like, you know, I would have had some respect for her being like, you know what? Honestly, it was a different time where, like, people parented differently. um, And I take responsibility for that i should have believed you but like bitch your daughter was escaping every single school like running down the highway trying to get out and it it never crossed your mind that like these military style camps were maybe abusive right and i'm sure paris did tell them there's no way they she never got to them for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm sure they just thought of it like, oh, she's just being a brat and she just wants to come back. But it's like, yeah, she does. But also, she's getting the hell beat out of her. Like, exactly. I, if anybody said to me, like, I endured any sort of tragic event, my response would never have be like, oh, if you just told me, I would have just, everything would have been solved. Isn't that crazy? But it's also, it's also, like, lady, can you at least keep an inventory of what you've said in other interviews for this? Because, oh, if I had only known, and yet, well, you know, everything Paris says I take with a grain of salt. Right. So she did tell you, you just didn't care slash didn't believe her. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm putting my middle middle finger up in the direction of Beverly Hills. Fuck you. You. (laughs) I could not I'm going to... Get my car, drive past the Hilton, like, fingers up. <laughs> and I heard it was just announced early this morning that Kathy's probably going to be on Beverly Hills as, like, a friend of during, Ugh. like, 
serious talks about her being on the show. And it seems like it's going to happen. I don't know if I can do too much Beverly Hills, to be honest. My list of Housewives franchises that I dare to watch are quickly dwindling. Mine too. And I I tried to watch um, the Beverly Hills reunion from yesterday and oh. I, I had to shut it off. Like I, I can only watch it in increments because it pisses me off so much. I That's what I heard. I, I yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it after this, but people were saying like it was unbelievable. Just it's um yeah. I haven't even gotten through the whole thing yet because I was just like it it's so unbelievable. It, it it's completely off the rails and Kathy Hilton is not the woman to put it back on the course. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my god. Ugh, Kathy. So basically the end of it is Paris out on her balcony saying that this is the best point of her life that she's ever been in and how she doesn't feel alone anymore because she reunited with those her former classmates and production is like well she, she says like you know my brand is about having this like perfect happy life and production or directors like well do you think that you can break from the brand she's like no <laughs> no <laughs> fuck are we here Paris (laughs) yeah exactly what are we all doing here what have we done for the last hour and 45 minutes (laughs) ma'am and then she goes on to say like well they're like well you know you can't do this forever like you're gonna age out and she's like no I just think I'm just gonna be this way forever and it's like ma'am please Iyanla Dr. Phil fix her life (laughs) what is happening here what is that? Oh, the way she just like came off of that highly emotional moment and was just like, well, this is me, guys. That's hot. So, oh, Paris. the way she can compartmentalize yeah. is truly stunning to watch. But I will say I I would I would give just about everything to watch an episode of Paris on Eon Fix My Life. I would give anything. Yeah. For her to be like, beloved, what <laughs> is going on here? <laughs> uh for her to like find an exercise for for Paris to do like Oh God, I need an exercise. I need some of her prop comedy. <laughs> I mean, Gallagher be damned. Iyama is the queen of, like, a prop. <laughs> she is. <laughs> <laughs> that was a truly shocking twist, the end of the documentary, of her just being like, I have no intention of changing, and everything's <laughs> great. See ya. <laughs> wow. Wow. It really... Well, and it makes so much sense because they never actually get to the catalyst for all of this. Like, she's like, I was having nightmares and I figured maybe they'll stop if I, like, finally talk about this. And then it's like, well, I talked about it. Bye. (laughs) 
Like, did you go to therapy? Like, are you working through this? Or did you just, like, have this idea that you'll just, like, mention it and then everything will be fixed? I'm very... It's another missing link where I'm like, how did we even get here? It was, like, going in a cul-de-sac, basically. Yes, it really was. (laughs) Wow, girl. Wow. Um, how would you rate this documentary? If you could tap into, like, if you really didn't know that much about Paris, how would you rate it? And, like, as somebody who does know somebody about a lot about Paris, how would you rate it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I actually watched this with my fiancé, who yeah. both knows nothing about I mean, he's he's pretty pop culture savvy, but he doesn't know, like, the intricacies of Paris Hilton. Um, but he didn't know much about her, and he also, like, didn't care much about her. And I, I think he really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably rates pretty highly if you don't know anything about her, because I think there are some good tidbits and... Like, we were laughing the whole time. Mm. Um, And I would say, as someone who knows a lot about Paris, like, I would give it a B. Okay. As far as I think, I think it gave some really good insights that Mm. I didn't that I didn't know. Yeah. But knowing all that I know about Paris, I know how much has been left out. Right. That I think kind of like egregious to leave out. What would you think, like if you had to just put one thing in or one part of her life in or one story, what would you have added that wasn't in it? Oh, that's interesting. Um, Hmm. Because for me, it's Nicole. I yeah, love- I think I think that's the most important. Because the other thing that we never got an answer to was their feud and, like, coming up together in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Because also, like, they were doing hard drugs and, like... Yeah. You went uh, to jail. Both of you. Went, both went to jail, like... I mean, there are pictures of Paris and Lindsay doing heroin, mm-hmm. which some people say it's real or it's fake. But, like, I mean, I think it was real. Yeah. Like, there, I want to know about that time period. I want to know more about the the early 2000s. Yeah. But, sure. I mean, honestly, this could have been a three-part series if they actually went deep into every part of her life yeah for sure I would have also been interested in like how she like what her life was like in between post simple life and Mm -hmm. like all the fragrances I think I think we don't see that because it's too um as you said the good the bad the ugly yeah. That sort of stuff is a little too ugly. It doesn't put her in a light of being as successful as she wanted to portray. Right. 
Yeah. Um, and she just, I mean, she doesn't go to the fact of like, yeah, there was this period of my life where I was super, super relevant. And then I became very, very irrelevant for a long time. And what did that feel like? And that just is not, it's as if she's always been at the top. You're right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also would be curious to know about, like, how she feels about being, like, an international joke. Like, at the height of it. Yeah. I, they really they really do. Maybe I give it more of a B-. minus. It's hard to rate it because I did really enjoy it. And I would say I, would, I totally recommend it to people. Me too. But it they miss so much. Yeah. And it's kind of like good for people like us who know this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, we weren't really missing because we already kind of know this stuff. But it's also like she had to think about who was this documentary for, and it was for us. And we deserve it. It's for our generation. It really is. You know, I had this theory that there was actually a better documentary in the documentary that I think would have put her, um, that would have made this um, like a mainstream standout uh, that maybe would have reinvented her uh, like as a person. Uh Did you watch um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark? No. Should I? I, well, okay. I loved it, but it is very scary because it's half about all of the Golden State Killer and, like, all of these home invasions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so it's scary. If you don't like scary things, um, don't watch it. But at the end of All Be Gone in the Dark, they have all of the real-life victims who survived this serial killer, serial rapist. Mm. And they come from... Uh, they it's been like 20 or 30 years since they've been attacked and it's all these women they all come together and they're like it's very moving and it's all of these women who went through this experience that only these other women truly understand right and it reminded me a lot of the end of the Paris documentary and I think what would have been very highbrow is if they took all of those women, focused on each of them equally, individually, okay. and and then like just expose these schools, make it be about the schools, and show how this abuse affected all of these women's lives, and like juxtapose. Here's Paris Hilton. Um, And here's this, like, poor woman who lives in middle America. And they all, like, have this thing in common. And how the abuse affected them in similar ways. Yeah, I I would have been for sure interested in hearing, like, what the other women's lives that we met were like. And I also kind of, like, you know, just as, like, an incredibly curious and nosy person, like... At one point, Catherine was like, 
you know, there were all other celebrities that went to that school, but I'm not going to mention them on camera. I'm like, I want to know who those people were. Well, one was DJ AM. Oh. Which someone, one of one of my listeners told me that um, there's apparently, I have to watch it now, um, but I haven't yet, a DJ AM doc and yeah. they get into which I have not seen. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe there's a different one. I don't remember that at all. Hmm. Maybe a- they were mixing it up, but they said he definitely went to one of these these schools. Wild. Okay. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Well, love that. I mean, love, love it. Love a chic. Um, uh, a piece of school moment. <laughs> I mean, I love the information. I don't love that yeah. it really happened. <laughs> but, um, wow, that's very interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, wow, Dara, thank you. This was amazing. This was so fun. I love getting to um, really just like stretch my Paris muscles for an hour forty-five. You know. It feels good, right? <laughs> feels good. I feel like really worked out. Like, ugh, gonna need to like have some protein after this. Right. <laughs> um, tell everybody where they can find you. Um. So my podcast is Lay. Do you remember this? Like the club, Lay do. Um. It's, you know, wherever you get your your podcasts, it's half storytelling. Um, mostly comedic storytelling, but I do some interviews as well. Um, but yeah, and then you can also find my Instagram, Lay Do You Remember This? And, uh, you know, I'd love to have you. Perfect. Anytime. I'm here. I'm ready to stretch out any other pop culture muscle I got. And I have more pop culture muscles than actual ones, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again. And you have a beautiful day. You too. Happy quarantine. Thank you. <laughs> and to you as well. Enjoy the white cloth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.